0: Hey, welcome. We're so excited that you're here uh, at Journey. You know, one of the things that we call as our church is we put the church at it. And I was talking to a pastor recently and he's like, oh, you're part of Journey, the church. And I said, yeah, because we're about the church of God first. The Bible teaches us in, in, in Matthew 6, seeks first the kingdom of God. And this church is a church that's about the kingdom. Jeremy invited you to go to another church, not because we don't want you. But we are so faithful. We know that God's going to bring the right people to this church. And that's what we believe. So go out and try stuff this summer and come back and say, tell us what's going good. And don't tell us what's going bad. We don't want to hear that stuff. But uh, welcome. It's summer. And I don't know about you, but summer's got for me. It's an always exciting uh, time. I always go back to the days when you get out of school and you got nothing to do. You remember how long those summers were? Man, they go by so quick, except my girls are home all the time, so then that stretches it out a little bit. But summer's here, and I want to challenge you. At Journey, we've had radical summers here. For years, we've had radical summers. Every summer, we have grown. There was one summer when we were a small church, which we still are. We grew like 40 or 50 people, and everybody's like, how did that happen? We're like, I don't know. We have no idea. We don't even know what we're doing today. How do we know what happened back then? But in the summer, we've had these radical, amazing summers. And last summer, we grew a little bit, but we grew more spiritually, more in the word and more mature. And and, and that's what we're going to do this summer, but we're going to go far beyond it because here's what I'm feeling, and here's what many pastors in this pleasant valley from Westlake to Santa Barbara and beyond, that God is moving. He's moving in ways that maybe we can't understand, but it's our job to connect into that. And watch him work in in, in, in wondrous ways in your own life. As a mature Christian, maybe reconnect or come in and start serving or building and do something new in your life. If you're new, start reading. I was talking to a woman that I met uh, several months ago that says, I've just started reading Ephesians as their first book in the Bible. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty deep. But that's what God's doing. And we've got to jump in and allow him to work in all of our lives. This is going to be an awesome summer. And it's only as good as what you put into it, right? So my challenge is wherever you go, as you go on vacation or if you try other places, go out and share our mission. God gave us a mission when we are in our backyard right up the street and when we were with a tree with six people to go out and love the world one person at a time. Go out and love this place because we believe that we're going to fill up sheets uh, in the church all across this Ventura County. That's our job as Christians. Journey is put on this place to go out and share the love of Christ so that every church in Ventura County has new people walking in it. That's our mission. Do you believe that today? Amen. Let's be a part of that today. Um, I don't know if you guys heard this lady up here screaming at the beginning of the service. But that's my sister, Kim, and she's a missionary, and uh, I'm real excited. Because she's got a gift, and you know she doesn't even need a mic. I don't know if you've ever heard her, but she, I don't even think she was using the mic. But she's a missionary, and we're super excited this summer. She's going to come back and really be a part of this church moving forward, and it's going to be cool. And, and uh, I'm excited about the new things that are going to happen with her and, and with you. So we are uh, going through a new series today. And what we do on Sunday is quite different than on Wednesday. Wednesday, we have a service that is growing so immensely. You guys can't believe what's happening here on Wednesday night. Man, the Spirit of God was moving so big this Wednesday. And my buddy Dustin killed that he did a great job with the message. But on Wednesday, we just started the book of Corinthians, and we're going through it verse by verse. It's different than Sunday. Sunday's a day to encourage and get you off your duff. That means your butt. And do something. So we're going to go through a 12 parables this summer. And what we do on, uh, during the week, myself or Jeremy or Randy or Odell, we pray, God, what parable do you want us to read? And we just ask God, speak to the church. And then he gives us one. And if, and if it's like me, I get it like at 12 o'clock on Saturday night. Been praying all week. Can you just give it a little sooner? And then we come on Sunday and we just break it down. We break bread with you guys. And that's what we do each and every Sunday. Uh, we, we do it differently. We try and stay verse by verse. But really what we want to do is just where God do you want to teach out of the Bible? And if you are a theologian, if you look at Luke chapter 4, it says Jesus goes and looks through the scrolls and finds that place and starts teaching. And that's what we try and do on Sunday. We are going through these parables, the parables that Jesus gave. There's some Old Testament parables we'll probably dig into. Jeremy's always the one that finds this stuff way out in left field. But uh, we'll probably go through a couple of parables in the Old Testament as well. But there's 40, maybe 46 parables, depending on how you measure it. And we're going to go through a bunch of those this summer. Now... In first service, I was a little loosey on uh, the way I was communicating, so hopefully this is going to be a little better, uh, but it was powerful. And we're going to do every, every uh, series, we have a memory verse. The kids memorize verses, we need to memorize verses. And our last year's summer memory verse was just so powerful. But here's our memory verse. I think I have it a little bit... Uh, this is an older. This is 34, and on your notes it's 35, so let's just read both of them together. Jesus always uses stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke without using such parables. 35 is actually our memory verse, and it says, This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables, and I will explain to you hidden things since the creation of the world. And Jesus is communicating from Psalm 78, verse 2, and he's communicating communicating, saying, listen, from the beginning of time, I've got things that are hidden. When you press into your relationship with God and you start opening up these parables through the word of God, it starts to unlock things that are hidden from you until you've actually learned to grow in Christ. And during this summer, maybe you have heard some of the parables we're going to talk about. Maybe you've heard the one today. I ask that you look at it in a new way, open up your heart and allow God to work and minister to all of us. That's what we're going to do. And today we're going to go through a parable called the sheep and the goat. And uh, it's a really powerful place. And so if you want to continue to worship, please stand. And if you don't want to stand, just open up your heart to God and let's, uh, let's read from his word. One of the ways that we worship is through God's word. We do it through prayer. We do it through tithing. We do it through fellowship. And this is a way that we communicate. And so... Matthew 25, verse 31 says this, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence, and He will separate the people, as a a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will place the sheep at His right hand, and the goat at His left hand. Now I'm going to pray, and as I pray, Francis Chan used to say, The church should be filled with people that are filled in the Spirit. So you should ask God to fill you up and hopefully fill me up so that we're all communicating with the same God. So as I pray, you ask God... To speak to you and work in you and invite his spirit into your life. Father in the name of Jesus we ask as your spirits here working and moving in powerful ways. Open up some unhidden things that we need to know. Or unlock something that will really radically change us. So that we will go out into this world. And be the the sheep that you want us to be. Bless us today as we communicate to you through our heart, mind, and soul. As we worship you, as we celebrate you, let these words do great work in our heart. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So let me kind of set up uh, where we're at today. Uh, we begin today, and Jesus is communicating to his uh, disciples, and he's on Mount Olive. Me and my wife and about 15 of us went to Israel here. There's a couple here that went with us, and this is Mount Olive, and uh, the very famous Golden Dome is there. And Mount Olive is where Jesus is communicating this portion of Scripture. Now, in this particular place of Scripture, it's called the Olivet Discourse. And what that really means, it's kind of a theological term, it means that it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. And it's this end times uh, uh, parable, and it's talking about this apocalypse that's going to come. And they call it the little apocalypse in theology. And in Matthew, there's five discourses, and today we're going to read... Last discourse, and all the discourse means is a communication or debate that's written or spoken. And Jesus is, 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 is speaking this discourse, and he's talking about end times. Last week, if you were here, I was kind of just coming out and challenging us to be witnesses. There's plenty of seats in this church. There's plenty of seats all across this valley, except one or two churches that, that have plenty of seats. We should be witnessing and filling all the seats in Ventura County. Right. And the time is coming that, you know, my buddy Randy is one of my mentors here. He's always talking, man, the time is near. The time is near. And even if it's not, we still need to fill the seats because there's an urgency for all of us. And that's what Jesus is coming to us. He's communicating to his disciples. He's up on Mount Olive and he's he's communicating to them about um, uh, this shepherd. And he at the end of the night, the shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. And that's the parable today that we're going to dig into and and in the Olivet Discourse, there's four, there's four parables. And, and in the parable, he always talks about a guy leaving. And he has a piece of property and he lends it to someone. That's one of them. And he comes back and, and challenges them. And today we see a shepherd separating sheep and goat. And then you're going to see it turns to the king. And that king is Jesus Christ. So let's talk a little bit about Jesus and the way he teaches If you uh, are pretty familiar with the Bible, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus teaches this thing called Sermon on the Mount. From verses uh, chapter 5 to 7, he does this very famous Sermon on the Mount. And he speaks in very plain English, very easy, and I guess it wasn't English back then, but it's English to us. Very tangible ways Jesus speaks. And his followers were gathering and they were new and they were, it was easy to understand and they started following. And, and he was, he was giving this very clear and, 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 tangible communication and then wrap it around with miracles. Jesus was just creating huge gatherings after a while and his communication was so simple and so easy that at one point, and this comes in Matthew 13, they call this the parabolic or the parable discourse where Jesus changes from teaching the simple way into parables. Parables. And it kind of throws his apostles or his followers for a loop because they're kind of frustrated going, what's going on? And if you know in Matthew 13, I'll kind of set up where he's at in 13 where he changes the parables. He gets in and a crowd of people start surrounding him. And so he gets into a boat and he pushes off a little bit. And he starts talking in parables. He starts talking about seeds and gathering and, and sowing and, and and weed and all this stuff. And, and the rumor is that if you get off into the water a little bit on this boat, he was doing that not to be cool on this floating pat- platform, but the water would help magnify his voice. It actually bounces upward and into the crowd. And so that's what we see with Jesus. He's on this boat and he's starting to switch things up. And... After his sermon, the apostles are like, what are you doing? You're confusing people. You're, they were astonished by what was happening and how he all of a sudden made some changes on their teaching style. And I was thinking about that today and me and Jeremy and, and, and a few of us that teach here. We've changed our teaching style two or three times as the church has grown. And, and Jesus changes his style. And the, the apostles are like, man, you're killing us you know you're 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 confusing people and here's his response and it's kind of going to blow you away jesus says you have permitted to un- you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but others are not so listen Just like our memory verse, it says some things need to be uncovered. Jesus says, you, our our followers, are permitted to understand. Those that aren't are going to struggle unless they press in and ask God to work. Now, Jesus isn't saying here that I'm denying people from salvation. That's not what he's saying. He's actually saying, I'm not challenging you to step away and say I don't understand. What he's saying is... Because you don't understand, I want a response from you. And the response is, I don't understand the parable, but Lord, I want to know everything. I want to start doing Bible studies as much as I can. I want to hear everything that you have. I want to know you in a deeper way. And you start doing all kinds of things. And we see that happen at this church. From someone who gets radically saved, they start going to Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Thursday, the women are going crazy. Friday, you get a day off to recoup. And then we press into stuff going on 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 Saturday and Sunday. You can get radically transformed and saved, and you see someone start to do that. That's the response Jesus is trying to ask. He's not saying, I'm denying you. He's saying, those that really don't understand, it's your job to say, man, turn to that person. And if they look kind of halfway like they know what they're doing, some of you are in tough situations. (laughs) Look maybe in front of you. That was a joke for some of you, That. Turn to someone and ask them, hey, what's this verse really saying? And hopefully they've gone. And if not, maybe the person next to them has. That's the response that Jesus is trying to communicate to us. So let's talk a little bit about sheep and goat. I got a, a couple of slides of sheep versus goat. Cute, huh? Let's talk a little bit about sheep and goat. That's me and Jeremy during the week. I'm the cute one. You know who that one is, right? Sheep and goat. They are... uh, Jesus uses sheep and goat because during this time when he's creating a parable, everybody knew about sheep and goat and the division. They knew what a shepherd did. It was very common knowledge at those days. The way Jesus talked would be like saying for him teaching the same thing. And he would use cell phones and social media. And everybody's like, oh, I get it. He would use that kind of language. He would use these parables to teach and bring that kind of language in. People knew during that day that that the goats and sheep would mingle like this. And they would graze together. And they would hang out together. And they had this fellowship. So when Jesus was talking about separating sheep from goat, people truly understood what he was saying. And that's powerful. The sheep and goat, they look kind of similar. They sound very similar. And I don't know if you've been around them lately, but they smell very close to the same. Their smell is unique by, by, by all senses of the imagination. But they're very similar. But here's the thing about sheep and goat. During the nighttime, when it's time to go mimi or go to bed, they need to be divided. And they needed to be separated. Because, listen... Sheep and goat have very different personalities. Just like some of us have different personalities, sheep and goats have opposite personalities. And that's why they're using this parable of sheep and goat. Let me give you some of the differences so it makes sense to you. First and foremost is sheep and goat are very, goat are very independent. Sorry. Goats are very independent. If you went on vacation, some of you are going to go on vacation for a week or two. Uh, and if you had a goat in your backyard and you left for a week, there's a good chance that goat would survive, even if you didn't leave them with tons of provision, if any. There's a good chance that that goat would survive because it has a huge appetite and it'll eat anything, plastic, anything. They'll beat your, you'll probably come back and your house will be destroyed in the backyard, but they'll probably be alive. And you'll be upset and wish they were dead, right? But uh, they have these huge appetites. They have such big appetites. Their personality is so big that a shepherd has to watch the mom so that she allows the kids to eat. She will push into their life and start eating all the food and the kids won't get anything. And, and a shepherd needs to actually stop and push the mom away so the kids have provision. because if not, the the, the the baby goats will die because they, they can't eat. That's how huge of an appetite a goat has. Some, something like myself, I think. My kids haven't eaten in weeks. (laughs) My daughter shakes her head. Why? (laughs) Another thing. Oh, man, I always do this. Another thing is that goats are motivated by their selfish desire. They're motivated by their own desire. That's just who they are. And the last thing is, does anybody have any goats here? First service, there was a lady that had goats up front. Anybody have any goats? No? Well, they're annoying. That's probably why nobody has really goat animals. Jeremy's property used to have goats a lot. And, and uh, goats are annoying. Let me give you an example. Goats like to eat hair. Yeah, hair. That's not unbelievable. So if you're laying down or you're taking a nap and the goat comes up or you're sitting down, it starts nibbling on your hair and it goes, wow, that hair's good. It's got like, uh, I was trying to think of a shampoo. What would be a good Shampoo. L'Oreal. It has L'Oreal. And it's like, wow, that L'Oreal tastes really good. The goat all day long will go after your hair every time because it wants to chew your hair. That's annoying. <laughs> Goats are annoying. And 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 th- that's part of their personality. This. Uh, so let's talk about sheep. Sheep look like they have it all together, don't they? This easy life they've got. It. Look at that sheep. That's the white one if you don't know. And... Uh, It looks like it's life's all together, right? He's living the dream. And uh, hanging out, grazing and playing, they're very joyful and playful. But the truth is, sheep require help. They need help. Let me give you an example. If a sheep falls on its back, let me show you what that would look like. And his legs are up. If a sheep falls on its back, there's a good chance that if someone doesn't help it, it'll die. Because it can't get up. It needs help. That's the kind of things that happen with sheep. Um, They're also stressed out. Sheep are very stressed out. If you were driving and you saw a a group of sheep and you needed to get beyond them and you honked their horn, it could cause chaos in all of the sheep. And they could run around for two or three hours in circles or knocking into fences and walls, stressed out. sounds like some of you on a Monday morning, right? Here's the beauty, beautiful thing about sheep is this, is when they're close to the shepherd, they are the calmest because they've learned to trust the shepherd. They learn to understand that as close as I get to the shepherd, if I can see them and, and, and know it, I'm in a better place. They know that the shepherd, they've trusted the shepherd so much that when it comes time, uh, when it's raining and, and they need shelter, they trust that the, that the shepherd will take them to a place of, of shelter. They know when it's time to eat that the shepherd is going to take them a place to eat. They know that a shepherd cares for them. And so they want to stay close to them. Hey, uh, Tucker, can you go to the very last one, the uh, the sheep and goat summary? I just want to put the summary up. It's the last slide. And then just look at the differences between the personalities here. Here's a summary. Sheep are dependent. Goats are independent. Sheep need management. Goats are self-managed. Sheep are friendly, goats are annoying, sheep are motivated by the desires of the shepherd, which is interesting, and goats are motivated by their own desires. You can see maybe where you are in that place. And that's why Jesus is communicating to believers about this, because he's warning them that we could fall into a victim of being on one side that might not be so beneficial. Now today, I'm going to go through, and when you see a parable in the Bible, a good portion of them have explanations right after. And today, there's an explanation. So we're going to go through that. But let me give you a warning. Do you guys know that mirror? I think I have a picture of the mirror. It's it's this one. Objects in the mirror are closer than they really appear. There's a warning, right? What's that warning saying, hey, beware, it could actually be a lot closer than you see, right? Right? Well, there's a warning in this message today. Let me finish everything before you cast stones. And if you don't like the sermon, Jeremy at journeythechurch.org uh, listens to all complaints. And I put this warning in because there's some things that we need to talk about at the end so that we can really make sense of what Jesus is saying. So let's continue. And Jesus is going to explain about this parable. And uh, if you notice, he's going to switch from the shepherd And it's going to talk about this king. And it's because Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega. And that's where the switch comes. Verse 34 says, then the king will say to those on his right, come who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom for you, for you... From the creation of the world, prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. So that is what Jesus is saying, and this is actually the sheep. He's communicating to the sheep. The king is saying to the sheep, and, and they are called righteous ones. Verse 37 says, Then these righteous ones were replied, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And so they're coming back and they're perplexed. Lord, when did this all happen? We're just sheep trying to stay close to the shepherd and want to do exactly what you tell us to do. We want to be just motivated by your desire. When did this really happen? And Jesus says this in verse 40. The king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to, uh, to the one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you are doing it for me. And so here, as Jesus is communicating what a sheep would look like, He's saying, when you do it for someone that's other than me, you're doing it for me. And this verse scared me. When I first read it, it took me about five times to read it. And then I had to ask a pastor at my old church at Crossroads, what does this mean? But this verse scares me. And today, there's always something in my car that I try and give someone out on the road. A jacket, a uh, a shirt, some water. I generally don't have money, uh, but... uh, I'm not afraid to pull over and maybe get him something. But I get afraid of this verse in a good way. Because did I just drive by Jesus and is those piercing eyes looking at me? Or am I just thinking that? So every time I go by, I'm like, Lord, tell me what to do. Sometimes... I've, I've, I've gone on because he's permitted that. But the point is this. We need to be like Jesus. We need to be as the shepherd wants us to be close to him and living like these righteous ones. Verse 41 says, then the king turned to those on the left. Those would be the goats. And he said, away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And so now he's looking at it and they're perplexed because many of us in this world and in this room and in this county and in this country call ourselves Christians, but we're really goats. Because of the way we live our life, maybe we haven't said the prayer correctly, maybe we're living a false life. We see it happen all the time. People fall constantly. Pastors fall, deacons fall, elders fall, uh, women and men of the church fall all the time and we're not living a wholesome life for God and we're really living a goat life. And verse 44 says, and then they replied, Lord, but when did we ever see you hungry, thirsty or a stranger or naked or in a prison and to help you, they're crying out, Lord, I've been in church and I've been trying to do anything to help myself. But Jesus is saying, that's not what I want. I want you to get out of self. And that's the challenge here. Now, I want to go back to that warning for a second. I want you to ask yourself this question Is this about works? Is this about works? Is Jeff up there talking about works? The answer is yes. But before you cast stones, I've been a pastor for a long time, I understand theology. This is about works. Jesus is communicating to the apostles in Mount Olive. They are people that believe and they've heard this said and he's trying to complete. This is what's going to happen. Jesus is on the verge of getting anointed and, and, and cheered on Palm Sunday and, and killed seven days later. He is getting ready to walk into this place and he's communicating with many of you today that are believers. Things are different than we sometimes read. When we read this very casually, we might over miss that. And all of a sudden, if you build doctrine around this scripture, your church could miss the whole boat. You have to look at Jesus Christ as an overall arching theology before you make this doctrine in your church. And verse 34 in our text talks about it. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you in the foundation or creation of the world. And that means eternity past. Before all this was ever done, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit were there creating and giving you an inheritance. You have an inheritance to receive the blood of Jesus Christ as a, as, as a washing you so that you can be right with God. And then you have a blessing to go out and share that with other people. That's your inheritance, and your inheritance is to go out and share that love. So the truth is this. The Bible repeatedly and clearly tells us that faith only comes through Jesus Christ, not by any work. There's no amount of money in this room that we could gather to get you across the finish line. There's no, nothing that I could do that could get you into the, the, the throne room of God except through a prayer. Jeremy was talking about during the offering that if we gave everything we possibly could and then some, that still wouldn't get me in. The only thing that gets me in is faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 15, 11 talks about it. Romans 4 talks about it. Galatians 3, 6. Ephesians 2, 8. All of that talks about this is a free gift. You can't do anything to earn it. You just got to open up your heart and mind and soul and accept it and say it and you will be whole and right with God. But we need to understand what Jesus is talking about. John chapter 1 verse 12 really explains this well. It says, but to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to them to become a child of God. If you want this, grab a hold of it. It's free. We're not charging anything at the door for you to leave or to come. You could leave right now if you want. The truth is, this is a free gift. And if you want to become a child of God, it's your opportunity. But on the flip side of that, if you call yourself a Christian, works should be a part of your life. They're not required. You could sit around and do nothing. Come to church, throw a few bucks and say, I'm a Christian because I believe. That's kind of a goat kind of thing. Or you can get off your butt and do something for the glory of God. Can you say butt in church? No. No. Jeremy at journeythechurch.org takes all... <laughs> he loves when I do this. It's so good for him. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. The core message of the parable of, uh, of the sheep and goat is this. People that call themselves Christians... People that believe in that through faith through is only through Jesus Christ. People believe that Jesus heals. People that believe that he is a reconciler, that he's a redeemer, that he can change and transform. He can take you out of your situation. Those people, he says, I need you to love others. Not just a Christian that has gone and got a ticket to heaven, but those that believe that he does radical things. That's why we started this on the the first parable for the summer, because we want to do radical things together this summer, don't you? Don't you want to walk out of here feeling right and radical and, and, and knowing that I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus this week? Because I'm not going to be a goat, I'm going to be a sheep, and I'm going to stay close to the shepherd. Good works are a result from a good relationship with the good shepherd. Good works are a result of a relationship with the good shepherd. If you follow Christ, you're going to treat people with kindness, lovenous, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, right? The fruits of the spirit. That there, there should be some fruits. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. There should be some fruits for you. Because you're serving people like you're serving Christ. Just as what, just the way that Christ came into the world. How many times do we read that he fed and he gave a drink and he clothed and he healed and he spent time with the least so that they can be a part of the kingdom of God? Here's probably the most important thing I'm going to say today. The works in this parable are not a cause of salvation, but an effect of salvation. The works in this parable are a cause, not a cause, but the effect of a good relationship with the good shepherd. That's what we're talking about here. Do you want to be in a good relationship? If you're in a good relationship, you're going to open up your heart, mind, and soul and say, I'm going to run with this and get the most out of this in my life. I want the most for me so that I can magnify God. Listen to what uh, this saying says. Works magnify our flesh faith magnifies god we say that again works magnify my flesh especially if i'm not connected to jesus but faith magnifies god that's what he really wants he wants you to be faithful if you just open yourself up to him and are faithful to him he will do a radical thing in you and you'll want to go out and serve and you'll want to go out and and watch some kid with a snotty nose none of your kids by the way but you'll want to be in the daycare or you'll want to be or in the, the baby rockers and teach them. Because you'll know someone in here is receiving something that's godly. That's what we're talking about here. Verse 45 and 46. Jesus is communicating after these, these goats are going, Where? What happened? Where did this all happen? He says this. I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help me and the least of my brothers and sisters, you're refusing. or Yeah, something like that. You're refusing to help me. Verse 46 says, and then you will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. That's what we're talking about. The apostle Paul talks about this eternal life. In Romans 7, he's talking about faith in this eternal life. And he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? Dominated and living a life as a goat is what he's saying. Who's the one out there? And the translation says, thanks be to God. That the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's the answer that we have here. But here's how we live our life. Here's what it says at the end. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Listen, you're going to want to leave today. And you might feel something. You might grab a hold of it. But you're going to walk out there and still live that goat lifestyle. Even if you call yourself a Christian. A couple weeks ago, I gave a message and I sat back. And if you guys want to turn around, the signs are back up that we are overcome by the blood of the lamb. If you walk out of here and you don't touch the sign, you're basically saying, I'm going back to my old gold lifestyle. But we are a bunch of sheeps here. We want to live and we want to believe that we have overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's what a sheep does. Let's stay connected and close. We love and we serve because he did. John 15, 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Let's pray. Lord, become broken people learning to know more about you, Father. No matter how long we've been in church, there's more to learn Draw us close to you, good shepherd. Break free the strongholds of the goat lifestyle so that we can be sheep moving in a way that is in in the way that you want us to move, Father. If there's someone here that's ready to get away of this old goat life and that eternal punishment, you can come before God because he's overcome the grave. And you can repeat after me, And this is a confession of faith that will bring you into salvation. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul. And be my king and good shepherd forever. I know that you died and that you rose again so that I may have everlasting life with you, Father. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit so I can do good works because you have affected me so much I want to share with others. Bless me today. Because you were the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Good Shepherd. Amen.